Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get to the point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to To The Point Podcast, Episode 126. I'm Rachel Lyon, here with host, as always, Eric Trexler. Good morning, Eric. How are you? Good morning, Rachel. (laughs) Well, I'm ready to dive right in. We have an amazing guest today. We've got Jill Itoro here from SE Media, Editor-in-Chief, and she's also the Editorial Director at Cyber Risk Alliance. We're going to have an amazing conversation. Um, She's been so deep in the trenches of journalism across government, defense, security, tech, you name it. So smart, Jill. I am so excited to have you here today. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for that very warm introduction. Good morning, Jill. I always feel that the journalists, have you're you're the most well-rounded on cybersecurity. We need to know just enough about a lot of different (laughs) things, right? (laughs) I've always found that journalists have this perspective, this holistic perspective, that if you're on the vendor side or you're on the government or the the user side, you're you're, you're biased. I, I don't know, but journalists... Have the best picture I've found in my Always. in our time on the podcast and and Definitely. meeting meeting with you. I don't know. Oh, that's so great! I love hearing that. I I think the effort is always to um, try to speak to all the the different players in a situation to get the full story. So I know that's what we we make the attempt to do in all cases, and I'm hoping we're pretty successful most of the time. Absolutely. So, Eric, we want to kick off, right, with the hot news of the moment, Microsoft, and you found this fantastic quote that Jill had included in her, in her article on December 22nd on the SolarWinds attack from Kevin Correct. Mandia talking about, right, if, if company Yeah, want, a, want me to read it? Yeah, please read it, because this is, this is awesome and so prescient from eight years so, ago. So, yeah. Jill, here's what you, oh, you, you, you stole the, you stole the, uh, oh, the clothes oh. there. So, so sorry. <laughs> no worries. Jill, you wrote, you interviewed Kevin Mandy. If your supply chain is compromised, so are you. Since the networks so often get connected and I want to read the rest of it, but that mm-hmm. was in response to an article in December, I think 22nd of December, right? As solar winds, actually, let me, let me, let me call it a UNC 2452 or, or holiday bear. Um, as, as that was happening or, is, or not happening, but we knew about it. Fire. I did their disclosure. Um, Microsoft was engaged. Everybody's starting to shut things down. We know what's going on. But as Rachel let the cat out of the bag a second ago, <laughs> that was actually a quote from eight years ago. Yeah. It's amazing. Nothing's changed. Thought, nothing's changed. And I, when everything was going on with solar winds and, and FireEye for that matter. And Kevin Mendia was out there chatting about this, talking about it, being very transparent, uh, you know, credit to them for that. I, I recalled immediately that um, I had interviewed them. And at that point, they had released a big report on how basically, um, if I'm remembering correctly, China had infiltrated, you know, our networks. And it was a massive report, got a lot of attention. And it rang so familiar. And it was all about the supply chain. And it was about the risks that are tied to partnerships and small and medium businesses. And um it was, and I went back and found the article because I couldn't remember it entirely. I was working at Washington Business Journal at the time, and it could have been pulled and placed in all of the reporting we were doing now. And I did, obviously. So, <laughs> but it is amazing. It is amazing. So much has not evolved. I think is 
far as maybe we all hoped it would have by now. Yeah, I, I too find myself going back and looking at things I wrote years ago. I remember them because I, you know, you remember what you, you high level what you wrote, but you don't remember all the details. You read it and like, oh yeah, and then you put yourself in current day, and it's like, wow, this I could publish yeah. this today. It still applies. Yeah, and I know I mean, in that particular story you're making reference to, I was pointing out and. I think, again, there's terrific work being done and has been for the last eight years and beyond. But I do think that there's a tendency for us to talk about the problem and for there to be, you know, uh, the this could happen. And we keep talking about it. But whether or not we're getting at the solutions to be able to prevent those, that's I mean, that's a lot harder to do until, you know, we all talked a moment ago, you know, a catastrophe happens and then you say, oh, okay, you know, here we are. And you need to add. I I would argue we don't talk about the problem. We talk about the events. We talk about the circumstances. Mm -hmm. Rachel, you kicked us off. We're alluding to the Microsoft Exchange vulnerabilities that were announced. We we, we speak very, very clearly and and sometimes openly about the events, but we don't talk about the real problem. As uh, mm-hmm. my friend Dmitry Alperovich would say, we have a China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea problem. We don't have a cyber problem, right? Yeah. So we don't talk about deterrence. We don't, these attacks just keep happening. And as mm-hmm. we were saying, it's been a rough couple of months. It's been a years. really rough couple of months. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot now, and maybe that's promising of discussion of what needs to happen. Um, Now, the big question I feel like is always, will it move beyond discussion of what we maybe should do to actually doing something? And there's lots of opinions. We we all just chatted briefly on the idea of breach notification and disclosure. Um, That's been emerging quite a bit, you know, on the Hill. It came up in the hearings that involve SolarWinds and FireEye and actually interestingly got general endorsement from industry as well in terms of needing to notify government when a breach occurs, but with a lot of caveats um, of, well, this could be hard on small businesses, so maybe they don't have to do it. And, you know, um, what about liability? Government needs to make sure that companies aren't held liable for these things. And those, to be honest, those are very important questions, but they're the same questions that have been brought up repeatedly when we talk about breach notification and information sharing. And it's these philosophical issues and challenges that we need to figure out how to compromise and move forward in a way that everyone is comfortable with, or else we're just going to be talking about them again in five, eight, 10 years. So we we have to make the topics a priority. Like we've got to get to a compromise, get to a resolution of Mm -hmm. this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. This is how, and gosh, you know, maybe it's a law like they're talking about, you know, maybe it's, you know, uh, we're hearing, um, you know, also tied to Microsoft. There was some reporting out of wall street journal that um, apparently they're hearing that Microsoft thinks that perhaps, this latest hack had to do with information being leaked that was part of their um, disclosures to partners. So, you know, I mean, I fear, I wonder if that's the case. Is Microsoft or companies like it going to clamp down and are they no longer going to share as much information? Is that what the results, you know, should be? I don't know. You know, we all talk about the importance of threat and tell sharing and so forth. So, 
Um, the knee-jerk reactions aren't helpful either, I would argue, but um, I think there needs to be a comprehensive plan for how to get ahead of these situations. And it needs to involve industry and it needs to involve government um, and the intel community beyond Congress to kind of get together and understand what needs to happen for there to be more productive um, progress in terms of how we're dealing with all these situations. Agreed. Rachel, what do you think? Microsoft, I I think Jill's referring to a March 13th Wall Street Journal article. I think it came out Mm -hmm. on on the Saturday. they they basically pre-briefed right. certain constituents about vulnerabilities. It appears that it got out because if the actor is Chinese of or of Chinese origin, as as everybody is stating it, it is on the, on the exchange breach, which has impacted hundreds of thousands of exchange servers or customers. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, the the adversary basically went went berserk and just started. Yeah just started, you know, putting back doors into businesses and, and just going wild, yeah. really irresponsibly. Probably, yeah. Jill, I'll put a dollar down that they were, uh, that, that somebody let it out and the adversary heard what, about that, right? It was on some forum. Somebody talked to somebody, but what do you think, Rachel? Because they would have to, right? Because I mean, what we're hearing is they were I think before that patch happened, right? They were like kind of anticipating or, you know, preceding the patch, all of this feeding frenzy starts happening. Yeah. And, and how would you know about that when they did it out of cycle as well? You know, their patch Tuesday was out of cycle. So something's going on that, that you know, is very, very suspect. And the aggression here, I mean, I keep saying feeding frenzy, but that's what it feels like. Just Piran is just, and there were surges, like surges yes. of attacks. And there's been talk of automation. And I think that probably yes. also happened, that they utilize automation in terms of their approach and techniques, which mm-hmm. is interesting, too, because it's sometimes deemed as less sophisticated to utilize an automated approach and attacks. Um, but when you combine it with the more people-focused approach, it it has this mass scope. And we saw yeah. that, you know. That potentially happens. So well, it's interesting. We, we saw in Holiday Bear where the reportedly the Russians, but the the adversary was very very clean. You mm-hmm. know, they cleaned up after themselves. They moved. They removed all as much evidence as possible. And then we see in the in the recent Microsoft attacks of early March here. I don't remember the first date they were reported. I think it was March second. Um, you know, somebody found out. And the adversary reportedly, the Chinese at this point of time, um, basically installed web shell backdoors, right? Yep. To give them yeah. remote control. Yep. In some cases I saw, there were multiple web shells on the same vulnerable systems. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. I, I agree with you, Jill. I think it was automated, right? Machine learning, AI, <laughs> yep. whatever systems they were using to just yep. blast it out recklessly. It's a very yep. different approach from a, likely very different adversary. Absolutely. And in fact, it it seems or uh, that Microsoft's patch was after almost the phase one, if we want to call exactly. it that. Exactly. And then they, were, they announced the patch and then there was this window of opportunity before yep. everybody applied that, that, it, you know, that secondary, you know, attacker came in and did a, a surge. But yeah, it was um, different than what has been seen before. And it's, I mean, and the brazenness. Yeah. Yes. But once Very, again, no, yeah. what, what are the consequences? Right. What do we do? I mean, do do? hundreds of thousands of organizations 
have this issue. Yeah. Most don't even yeah. know if they have the issue. What do you do? Right. And Microsoft keeps saying it. I don't know what else they can do. Um, prioritize this patch. Do it now. Do right. it now. <laughs> they made I mean, it at this point, that's versions yeah. that are no longer yeah. supported of exchange. Yeah. They're saying we're even going to allow it for you here. Do it just to get it under control. But even that I sometimes question. I don't know what the solution is, but the fact that we rely so much on patch management right. to squash some of these um, situations from really getting out of control. Um, that that's a challenge too, because you get to the small, medium businesses, not to pinpoint them, but they have fewer right. resources. They, um, are sometimes challenged in making sense of all the intelligence and coming out of, uh, industry. You know, it's just, it's, it's hard to rely on that. And you talk about right. something, the Microsoft situation, but even solar winds, it really went well beyond solar winds. As right. we know, there were other, oh, you know, attacks. So making sense of all that intelligence and knowing what you need to look for in your systems. And right. that's the whole nature of the supply chain risk. And it's, it's difficult to pinpoint and know what the solution is there and how companies can get out the solutions for their own enterprise, for right. their own organization. That is a challenge. I, I think yeah. the fix, and, and there isn't a fix, but I think it needs right. to be at a higher level. If I equate, mm -hmm. you know, software, it's made mm -hmm. by people. People right. make mistakes. Yeah. Equated to the automotive industry, cars are made by people. We still have recalls. We still have things that break. That's right. going to happen. It's how do you handle it? What do you do? Is there a better way mm -hmm. to protect ourselves though? Because yeah. people make mistakes. Vulnerabilities right. will exist and people have ill intentions. Some people do, and they will try to exploit those mistakes. Mm -hmm. So what do we do about it? How do we take it to a higher level? So we're better prepared. So we do something because the average CISO, IT administrator, infosec person, what does she do in her role to say, okay, I did my best today to protect this organization, this agency, this business, my home. Yeah. It's a hard problem. Seen, there's this new, um, I think it was out of the, um, the Biden administration. It's been brought up by the cybersecurity solarium as well, but this concept of, um, a rating system for software um, has been coming up. And I think it was likened um, by the administration to restaurant, A, B, C, D, F, restaurant, right. or okay. restaurant. Uh, the rating, grading right. system almost, whether yeah, food almost quality, like a, like a score, right? Yeah. yeah, whether it took that form or it took some other sort of rating for software, um, that's coming out as a suggestion. But, you know, then... You also worry in terms of, you know, who's going to establish those. Um, is it fair to the company necessarily? Because that could make or break the success of a company exactly. if for whatever reason they landed at a, a C. Um, it's just, you know, how that would actually get executed is tricky. So, um, again, well, we're kind of getting that. Are you familiar with CMMC? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So with CMMC, which we've talked about a lot on the show. Yeah. We're almost getting to a rating system because there are assessors, yeah. right? FedRAMP, yeah. there are assessors. So on the government side, I would point to those two areas as places where the government is actually almost launching a rating system. Yeah. And does it need to extend to industry and right. to commercial software, you know, outside the press? You know, that's hard. I think most would say, oh, we couldn't Costly. go there. Uh, yeah. How do you right. how do you how do you enforce that? I mean, wow. the, the, the the sanitary if you if you go back to the rating system for restaurant examples, 
They're mm-hmm. done at the, I believe, state and local level. Yeah. Right, There's right. no federal rating. So how do you do that? And then how do you audit a Microsoft? I mean, Microsoft's been beaten up pretty badly here with, with Holiday right. Bear and, 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 and this latest attack right on exchange. Yeah. But the attack surface is so vast. Right. How do you? Right. And how can you compare do a system of, you know, a qualified rating system for something like a Microsoft? That is it the same system that would be applied to a small little piece of like an Intuit, into attack software or something. Right. And and let me ask you a different question, Jill. This is where the journalist and you will come out because you've got that holistic approach. What if we give Microsoft a D minus? What are you going to do about it? Yeah. It's Microsoft. Right. We had this conversation on our meeting this morning. Like, you know, how can you take these, first of all, software that has so much scope, so much code at the core? Right. How can you do an analysis? And then when it's these fundamental technologies, what does it even mean anymore? Is everyone going right. to rip out, you know, software from their systems because they didn't get a B or a higher? So it's really hard to understand how that would would actually function or work. And I don't know, is it like a good housekeeper badge of approval? Right, right. You know, hey, you know, this is what I, you know, we got, but I know how to make it so it means anything or so that it would have stopped a solar winds or would have stopped, um, you know, the Microsoft situation currently. I don't know if, you know, um, putting something like that in place would have actually made a difference. So, well, let me pile on yeah. one more and then I'll stop. I mean, exchange was used in, in Sunburst. I know I keep right. picking the different names, Rachel, yeah, forgive yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> exchange was used to mm-hmm. exfil data. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right? So it wasn't even a vulnerability in that case, that example, mm-hmm. they were using right. the tools against yeah. them. So I don't know, maybe if you supply all the boundary or you secure all the boundaries you secure all the supply chain efforts. You mm-hmm. secure the uh, cloud since you're not in the boundaries and all the mobile endpoints and you somehow get the users to do all the right things. It <laughs> yeah. would work. Somehow. Yeah, yeah. right. Except for <laughs> all of the, uh, the adversaries <laughs> that got in there before you did those things and are just exactly. lingering. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, let's let's look at Sunburst or the new Microsoft Exchange right. breach here. Breaches. Right. Most people don't even know what is in their network right now. In I their mean, network, connected that to is, them. We're, we're getting a lot of, we're getting a lot of, I want to be careful here. We're getting a lot of interest from a technology perspective now that the horse has left the barn, to use mm-hmm. that phrase, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Organizations are calling us and saying, hey, we don't want this to happen again. So almost, yep. that, it wasn't catastrophic, but right. after, after, after sunburst. You know, we need to talk about this now. Things we had been working as a vendor on for years, three, five years. There's somewhat of a catalyst, but you don't know. I, I have a lot of customers who really can't answer the question. I've yet to see a government agency answer the question about, are their networks clear? What right. did the adversary access? What did oh, they yeah. do? Where are they? What have we done to remediate? Are we confident that? We don't have any any adversarial yeah. efforts or activity on our networks. No, Are we no comfortable? We're that. good. Yeah. They can't. Yeah. All exactly. they're saying is we haven't found anything as complete. Right. 
but that doesn't necessarily mean anything at the, you know, in the long term. So it, it is, it's incredibly risky. And to your point, it's almost unfortunate because right now is when companies are raising their hand and saying, okay, you know, we get it. What do we need to do? Tell us what we need what to do, do right do? now. Yeah. Right. And, and there's no good answer. No. Yeah. The yeah. answer is so <laughs> difficult. So the fear, and this is why I think that conversation with Kevin Mandia eight years ago didn't necessarily result in this huge impact is there's all these hands that raise and say, oh, we got to do something about it. But because the answer is not always clear or it's different for every organization, it's very complicated. And then they kind of shrink back after a little while or they do something that maybe is a bare minimum and they're like, OK, you know, and then we move on. So and we're never going to have all the answers. It's no. not like we can suddenly say, oh, we got to get better so we can answer that question definitively for very every organization. It's never going to happen. So, you know, it's almost a cultural shift that needs to happen in terms of companies, enterprises, small to large, understanding that this needs to be a more active interaction with the vendor community and with government to understand where they're vulnerable abilities are and kind of evolve with the threats. And I don't know whether the resources are even available for enterprises to be doing that or X. Wow. So, yeah. Rachel, I'm going to go back to physical security for a moment. Uh -huh, okay. okay. If we go back a hundred years, we wouldn't have all these gates and security cameras and that's true. And every alarm systems and everything, which we have now mm -hmm. because time has progressed. Do you think we'll see the same type of evolution in, in tech, in infosec, right? Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll become more aware that generational change. Do you think that'll happen? Well, are we kind of getting there? Multi-factor authentication. I feel like everything, you know, from, you know, my, uh, I don't know, people subscription online to, mm -hmm. you know, logging in at work, they all have this crazy amount of multi-factor authentication oh, yeah. and heaven forbid i don't have my phone with me to be able to you know hit that yep. little little code um i feel like we're getting there but it's also incredibly frustrating uh mm -hmm. at least you know when i'm wearing my kind of consumer i'm a super lazy human being hat um you know and there's always workarounds and i'm not gonna lie when i'm at work and i find a workaround i shouldn't say this out loud i'm like woohoo yeah i got my work done and i found yeah. a way to do it fast <laughs> Well, and the other problem too, and is physical security is is pretty black and white. You say, okay, yeah. we don't want to let people in, so we're right. going to put up a gate, and we're going to monitor everybody that walks in and out. And I mean, with IT, obviously, the big challenge is we want to close it up some of the time to some people, but not everybody. Right. And we want to, you know, have this particular company able to have access to this specific information but not that company and not exactly. that information. So there's right. so much complexity that with that, you know, um, it's not as simple as not that I call physical security simple. We've seen that in recent months even, but um, it's complicated. And I think we're still figuring out. It wasn't that long ago that everything was endpoint security. Right. And now, you know, the zero trust, you know, uh, philosophy is right. really kind of, taking hold and they need to be working in conjunction with one another and figuring out how to execute on that is a big challenge. So, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say the analogy falls apart entirely, but it definitely is as we're going through digital transformation, right? right we're, we're saying yep. we want to open things up, make them more accessible at the same time yeah. we want to secure them and lock them down. Mm -hmm. And it's almost, you know, if you have a bank, all the security techniques you have are to protect the bank. 
Yeah. You let customers in, but it's, it doesn't quite hold up. Yeah, right. absolutely. Plus you on top of it incorporate something like cloud computing where, right. um, you know, where your data resides, how it, you know, transition between, you know, in a hybrid cloud environment and so forth. It just, it, it requires different security um, parameters to be put in place. And, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. so it's challenging. It's the march forward in technology always brings with it new security considerations. So that's why I think year after year and decade after decade, there's always going to be something to talk about. And with that, we are going to pause today's episode of To The Point with SE Media Editor-in-Chief Jill Itoro. Please be sure to come back where we pick up with part two with Jill and you won't want to miss it. Until then, see you next time. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts.